0: Well, hey there. Would you be my neighbor? <laughs> what do you think of that set? Pretty awesome, huh? Do we have incredible team? Believe it or not, that door is my front door. It's an old front door. I don't have like a shower curtain in front of my door right now, but it's an old front door. So I don't think any of you would disagree with Christian author Joyce Meyer, who one time said... We live in an imperfect world and we are surrounded by imperfect people. That is so true, isn't it? I mean, no one has it all together. And nowhere is that more obvious than in the family. And yet, as imperfect as our families can be, and they can be pretty imperfect. The good news is that God's word provides us with some helpful encouragement, some guidance that I am confident will not only strengthen the family, but also help keep it healthy. So we are starting this series called Our Imperfect Family. And I'd like to just kick things off by looking at what God has to say about the family in the Bible. And in Genesis 2, very first book of the Bible, second chapter, God says this. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And then in verse 24, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. So pretty straightforward, but from those two verses, we learn two things about the family. First, that the family was God's idea, right? So right off the bat, this was God's brainchild. It was his dream. It was part of his original plan for the world to have families. Families are the backbone of society today. Second thing, though, that we pick up is this you need deep relationships and caring people in your life. Okay? When God, even though God created Adam and He put him in this, this beautiful paradise called the Garden of Eden. Yet, remember what God just said? We read it just a moment ago. He says, it's not good for the man to be alone. No human being was designed to go through life all by themselves. They just weren't. So God created the family. And for you, that family may very well be your biological family, but it could also be your church family here at Royal Redeemer. Or for those of you who are watching at home, it might be another church family that you belong to. But God designed the family, and he did it on purpose. And what I want to do is today look at the original plan behind the family. Because honestly, there are some people who just don't know what the family is for. I mean, if I were to ask you, what is a family for? What would you say? What would your answer be? I, I know, yeah, support. Okay, what else you got? Anybody? Throw them out. Love. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know of a couple people who would say that the family is, uh, they, they would sum it up in three words, bed and breakfast. <laughs> Anybody agree with that one? <laughs> or maybe they sum it up in two words, tax break. You know, and those are fun answers, but there is so much more, so much more to God's plan for the family than just having kids and paying less tax. So even though the family unit is far from perfect, what I like to do today is look at four jobs that God has entrusted to the family, four areas of responsibility that are all part of his original plan that God has in mind for the family, whether that family is your biological family or your church family. Okay, so let's jump right in. First area of responsibility that God has, in, <clears throat> excuse me, that God has in mind for the family is to be a shelter in storms. To be a shelter in storms. Life can be difficult. Things don't go as planned. Feelings are hurt. Difficulties arise. Troubles emerge. And it's for that reason that in those stormy moments of life, you need a place of protection and security and stability, right? In Proverbs 14, it says, He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. I think part of God's original plan for the family is to be a safe haven from those storms of life. And there are many storms out there, as you can imagine. One is just the storm of change, right? The last six months has just been one big storm of change because of the pandemic. Change in how you go to work, change in how you go to shop, and change in how you go out to eat. Change in how you go to school, change in how you play sports, if sports are being played. And that's just COVID-19 changes. There are other changes, of course, that can happen in your life because of other illnesses, maybe cancer or a stroke. Other changes that can happen because of death or because of work-related changes or other related changes that could involve marriage or divorce or getting remarried or moving. Life is full of change, isn't it? And that's why it's important to have a family that can be a a, a shelter, a, a shelter from that storm, a place where you can trust and find love and stability. Part of God's original plan for the family was to provide the family as a to make the family a place where you can find shelter from the storm of change. A second common storm is the storm of failure. Right, you don't get the job even though you are well qualified. Your marriage does unravel. You, you know, you, um, you bomb the test, right? Your team has a losing season. Uh, you fall into an addiction. Uh, maybe you say the wrong thing or decide the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. Life is full of failure as well. And yet, I can tell you for a fact that those failures are a whole lot easier to handle if you have a family A family to love you and encourage you and support you as you guys were shouting out just a moment ago. In Ecclesiastes 4, it says two are better than one. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help him up. Family members are your fans even when you're having a losing season. So the family is also to be a shelter for the storm of change. And uh, I'm sorry for the, the storm of failure. The, second, the third common storm is the storm of rejection. Just a quick show of hands how many of you have experienced rejection or ridicule or criticism? Okay, how many of you, uh, quick show of hands, love that? But that oh, was the best day of my life. Right, no, of course not. But it happened, and it is one of the more difficult storms to handle. Maybe for you, that storm of rejection happened uh, at a painful moment when you were a little kid in school because students can be ruthless and cruel. Maybe it happened later on in your life when you felt the pain of embarrassment because of something that somebody else said about you and you know, it hurt, it was very hurtful. Whatever the rejection, that that storm of rejection was, it is so important to have a family who can reinforce in those moments the positives, right? Because if you don't have those positives, those negatives from that rejection and the ridicule, it's going to beat you down. And it can turn into a long-lasting emotional wound. So the, the family is also to be a shelter for the storm of not just change and failure, but also rejection now before i go on i want you to understand that in each of these four areas of responsibility okay in each of these four different areas um there is a response that as christians we should be uh, engaged in and what i like to do is just share with you uh the probably the best response Um, for each of these situations. So for example, this first area of responsibility that God in his original plan for the family has said, this is what I want the family to do, to be a shelter in storm. I think the best way that we can respond is with love. Just flat out, be loving. When somebody's going through a storm, hurricane force storm, you're there to love them. Someone once told me that love involves three H's. I don't know if you've heard this before or not, but the first H stands for Here. Okay, so you're, in other words, you're listening to the hurt. Uh, You're paying attention as they are speaking. You hear what they have to say. The second H is hug. Okay, and and, and this is just, you know, refers to the physical touch. And it might be an actual hug. Uh, Maybe it's, you know, a hand on the shoulder. Maybe it's a, you know, a pat on the back. But there is tremendous love and there's tremendous power in a loving touch, isn't there? And then the third H is help, where you just offer your help, and you're there, in a tangible way. But see, all of that is part of God's original plan for the family. Part of what God wants the family to do while it exists on planet Earth is to be a shelter in times of storm. A second area of responsibility that God has in mind for the family is also to be a learning center for life. You know, as, um, in every family, you learn basic skills of life, right? You learn how to walk and talk and eat. Uh, my wife carla and i we enjoyed uh, a week uh, a wonderful week with our our grown children and my granddaughter in the north woods of wisconsin and uh, she's going to be two in october i'm so she's just adorable and and what's she's she's got the 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 walking down she's she's actually kind of running and she's learning to jump it's so cute she's got like this much off the ground but she's jumping and then she's got eating. it's pretty good um she's learning to talk she's got no down and she's you know she's got other words but you know that's what happens in a family right you you learn some of those basic skills now in a christian family you also learn a little bit more you learn about god right how to worship him how to love him how to draw closer to him how to follow his guidance and that's what a family is for it's a learning center for life in ephesians 6 It says fathers, and I'm going to add mothers as well, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's what God intends a family to be, a learning center for life, where you learn things like, well, you learn about relationships. Right or wrong, you learn how to relate to other people at home. So it's important for you to learn how to develop and build good relationships at home, that relationships are worth saving, that you have to work on them. At home, you learn how to resolve conflicts speedily and to offer forgiveness quickly. At home, of course, you learn how to relate to God, how to talk to him in prayer, how to let him speak to you through his word, the Bible, how when you mess up, you can go to God and you can say, God, I'm so sorry. And it's just to know, to believe that because of God's grace, through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, that your sin will be forgiven, that that he will wipe it away. I mean, so in the family, you learn about relationships, how to relate to God, how to relate to other people. But you also learn about character. Most, Much of who you are as an individual can be traced back to what you picked up from your parents, right? I am, frankly, I'm amazed at how much I am like my mom and my dad in different ways, good ways, of course. But I mean, I'm just... It's how, That's what character is. Character is something that is caught, not necessarily taught. But in the family, you also learn about values. You learn about time and money and how to be wise in using those two things. You learn about play and work and other people and Jesus. You learn all kinds of values. And what you value, understand this, what you value is going to come through loud and clear to the rest of the family so if you have kids understand that okay because you're going to be passing on your values to your children which are then going to be passed on to their children that's how it works think about it you not only picked up the values of your parents but the values that they picked up from theirs in deuteronomy 6 verses 6 and 7 it says these commandments are to be upon your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and and when you get up the values that are found in god's word are to be passed along to the other people in your family so that they know about god's love so they know about god's grace so that they know how to follow god's wisdom and guidance in their life so for this second area of responsibility that is part of god's original plan for the family The best way, at least that I can think of, to respond is to just re-examine your own values. What is it that you are teaching your kids? What are they learning about money and about life based on maybe the movies you're watching or the websites that you're visiting? What are they learning about honesty and respect and integrity and, and compassion for other people? What are they learning about the importance of the family itself? What are they learning about worship and tithing and prayer and Jesus? I've had a number of people come up to me and say, in, in so many words, I am not going to impress or force my beliefs on my kids. I'm going to let them decide for themselves. And every single time, I'm stunned by that. It just, it takes the wind out of me. Because the foolishness, and I use that word intentionally, the foolishness of that thought is that it implies that Jesus is an option. Okay, and as Christians, we know that's, that's not the case. He's not an option. As Christians, the Bible says you are the primary spiritual trainer for your children. As a church, we want to help you, but you're it, and you're it for life, which means that even though your child may get confirmed, or your child may graduate and go off to college, or your child may move out of the home or get married, your job is to still impress upon them the values, the truths of God's word, and and to find the value in having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's your job until the day you die. Why do I say that? Because the second area of responsibility that God gives to the family is to be a learning center for life. Right, not just when they're grade school. Third area of responsibility for the family is to be a place to play. A place where you can, you know, just kind of kick back and relax and have fun. And have fun together. Now parents, that starts with you. You know, so some of you might need to lighten your workload and, and get some time, find some time, squirrel away some time so that you can have fun with your kids, especially when they're young. Because when they grow up all right, and, and, and they didn't have fun, they may not want to come back and visit. They, they like to be where the fun is. So for this third area of responsibility, best way that I can think of to respond is just celebrate your family. Rejoice in the blessing that they are. They are an incredible gift to you. Psalm 127 says, children are a reward from the Lord. A reward. They're one of the most precious gifts that God has given to you. So enjoy them while they are small because a lot of us who have children that are grown will say to you, and it's true, they grow up quickly. They do. You just you don't know it in that moment, but they do. And so... So just, you know, there are probably other projects, but there will be other times to do those projects. You have your kids just for a season. Enjoy them while you got them. Make sure that your your home, your family, is a place where you can play. All right, fourth area of responsibility uh, is to be a launch pad for ministry. Now, I realize that you may never have thought of your family as being a ministry team, Um, And yet, any time that you serve God and help others as a family, that's exactly what you are. 1 Corinthians 16 says, the household of Stephanus devoted themselves to the service of the saints. I mean, what an amazing goal for a family, For, 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 for for your family to be a ministry team in the kingdom of God where you are loving and serving and helping others. How cool is that? Even greater is this blessing that is echoed in Acts 16.33. Listen to this. The jailer was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. It is a powerful thing when the whole family, by the Spirit's power, knows God and his love for them in Jesus Christ. It is a powerful thing. When the whole family is able to know and understand that when they mess up, when they fail, when they make a bad choice, that they can go to God in humble confession and in repentance and know for a fact and believe that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross has earned their forgiveness for that mess up and has restored a relationship with God, their Heavenly Father, goes into eternity. It is a powerful thing for your whole family to to know that God loves them and they love them back and they use their, their, their lives to serve him and others. It is a powerful thing for the whole family to sing praise to God and to know Jesus as their savior. It is a powerful thing to know that you have another generation behind you that is going to love Jesus just as much as you do. In 2 Timothy 1, Paul is talking to his ministry partner, Timothy, who he considers a son in Christ. He's been mentoring him. But he identifies this passing on of the faith between the different generations. Look at this. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, he says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. One of the, the most important goals for me as a parent, I don't know about you, but for me, one of my most important goals is to know and to and just be confident that my three children, and they're all, th- all three are grown adults, but they know Jesus and they know him as their savior. It, there is nothing more important to me as a dad than to make sure that their eternity is secure, that we're gonna be in heaven together. So, so when it comes to this fourth area of responsibility, uh, how should we respond? Best way that I can think of is just dedicate your home to God. Flat out dedicate it to God. Now what does that look like? I don't know, maybe it, you know, it's for the first time or maybe after a while you haven't been doing it but now you're gonna do it again. You're sitting down to a meal and you thank God for the food out loud. Or maybe you're having devotions every night as a family. Or maybe um, you make your home a site, you open your home as a site for a small group. In September, we're going to make it uh, small groups available so you can become part of a small group and grow in a relationship with other people and, and in your knowledge of Jesus. Uh, maybe it's going to be where you as your family, you serve each, uh, serve together. Uh, and we're going to have Servant Saturday coming up that first weekend in October. And it'll be very similar to what we did in May uh, you know, it was because of the pandemic. I don't know how it's going to look. All I know is that when it comes to responding to God, this fourth area of responsibility that God has given to the family to be a a launch pad for ministry, best way to respond is just dedicate your home to God. Dedicate it to God. Now, before I close, I just want to talk to some of you briefly, those of you who... um, have never been married or are widowed or are no longer married because as you're sitting here listening to me go on about families, you may be feeling a little left out. And I get that. So let me just remind you of two things. First, don't forget about the family that you already may have, right? your biological family. Uh, maybe you have kids or grandkids or uh, brothers or sisters or parents. Okay, don't forget about the biological family that you may already have. But second, more importantly, even if you have no one, that's not true as a Christian because you are part of God's family. That's what Laura was talking about, right? You are part of God's family. The Bible calls it Christ's church. And the Bible says that everything that happens in in a home is to happen in Christ's church. And so in Christ's church, we find a shelter in storm and a learning center for life and and a place to have fun and fellowship and a launch pad for ministry. So, So if you believe that Jesus is your Savior, you are God's child. And if you are God's child, you are part of God's family. And in this geographical area, it's called Royal Redeemer. So how is your family? Is it a shelter in storms? Is it a place where you find protection from the storm of change and and failure and rejection? Is Is it a learning center for life? I mean, what are your kids or grandkids learning from you? What would they say? I mean, if you ask them, what would they say is the most important thing to you? Would they know that Jesus is important to you? What are they learning when it comes to God honoring relationships, character, and values? Is your family a, a, a fun place, a place to play, where you can kick back, relax, and just have fun together, even if your kids are grown as adults? Is your family a launch pad for ministry? Have you dedicated your home to God? Do you know that your, your kids, that, that all of them, that they, have, uh, they, that they know that Jesus is their Savior, that as a, gift, as a gift of God's grace through faith, they are forgiven and saved? If so, has your family become then a launch pad for ministry where they are now using you and they they are using their gifts and abilities and time and money and energy to serve God and love others? See, all four of those areas, they're all part of God's original plan for the family. That's why he created the family. And over these next couple of weeks, we're going to dive into it a little bit more. But for right now, let me just close with a couple of action steps for you, okay? Number one, I guess I want to challenge you this week to love others and use the three H's whenever it is needed. Those three H's, remember, uh, when there's a storm in in, in a member of your family's life and and they're they're wrestling through that, be there to hear and to hug and to help. And then the second action step I want to challenge you is commit to making sure that everyone in your family knows that Jesus is their Savior. Teach them about him. Pray that they keep him close. Um, guide them. Don't assume that they, they know that. Okay, don't assume. Ask them. Okay, but make sure they know. Their eternity is at stake. You want to make sure they're there with you. And then the third thing is um, just, the first, third challenge is follow God's lead and as a family look for ways by which you as a family can help and serve others. Look for ways by which you as a family can become a launch pad for ministry. God has richly blessed us in so many ways. And one of those ways is through this thing called the family. And I just, I barely scratched the, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to God's original plan for the family. But I hope that you were able to find some uh, helpful insights and, and learn some um, valuable uh, lessons that you can take back and, and, and put to work in your family. Uh, But I also hope you come back over these next couple of weeks uh, as we together uh, learn how to develop and build and strengthen our imperfect families. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we commit our lives to you, but we also commit our families to you as well. And I pray that Royal Redeemer would be a place where we build strong families and successful lives based on your word. We know that churches can never be stronger than the families that are within that church. So Lord, as we look at your word in these weeks ahead, please teach us and encourage us and guide us by your wisdom. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' great name. Amen.